Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 39. When the time came for the purification rites required by the laws of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts where the, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, and so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Eden, thank you so much for reading. Thank you everyone else who's read and, and led us in prayer as well. Let me just pray for us briefly as we begin. Father, we pray that you would speak to us now as we think about these words in Luke's gospel. Speak to us through your spirit and comfort us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a child, I'd I'd often feel like Christmas would take forever to arrive. And on Boxing Day in particular, the thought of having to wait an entire year for the next Christmas... Uh, would seem like an eternity. But as an adult, the way I think of the arrival of Christmas is slightly different. No longer do I find myself thinking, why does Christmas take so long to arrive? Rather, I find myself thinking, how on earth has Christmas come around so quickly again? Before I know it, I'm, I'm hearing Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You as I'm in the supermarket, and I'm thinking, gosh, it's at that time of year already. For children, Christmas often feels like it can't come round quickly enough. But for adults, Christmas can feel like it comes round frighteningly quickly. What does the wait for Christmas often feel like for you? Does it feel like an eternity, as it did for me when I was a child? Or does it feel like it happens at lightning speed? Regardless of whether you feel like Christmas comes around quickly or slowly, one thing we all know is this, when it's coming. Unlike some other bank holidays, 
you didn't need to look at your 2021 diary to find out what date Christmas Day fell on this year. You knew when to expect it. And the same applies for next year and the year after. But this wasn't the case for the very first Christmas. Those celebrating it didn't know, uh, who wanted to celebrate it, didn't know when it would come. Although they knew that it would eventually come, they didn't know when it would come. Now, the reason they knew it would come was because it was foretold by prophets like Isaiah, who said that a king from David's line would be born. But seven centuries passed before Isaiah's prophecy was eventually fulfilled in Jesus' birth. What might it have felt like for God's people to have waited for that very first Christmas? Remember, they they didn't have a diary which which told them when it would be. All they had was God's promise that it would one day come. Now, it's one thing to wait for Christmas when you know when it's coming. It's quite another to wait for it when you don't know when it's coming and when it takes centuries to arrive. Evidently, Israel's waiting for Christmas would have felt much longer than my waiting for it as a child. Now, imagine you were one of those Israelites waiting. What might it have felt like to to celebrate the first Christmas when it did eventually come? In the verses we had read earlier, we come across two people who were waiting for the birth of Christ, for the original Christmas. Their names are Simeon and Anna. And we learn from from their responses to Jesus' birth why it is that Christmas is worth celebrating. Some of us might feel right now like it's hard to celebrate Christmas. Perhaps COVID has thrown a curveball at your original Christmas plans. Perhaps you've got some worrying health issues. Perhaps you've lost your job. Perhaps you split up with your partner. Or maybe you've even lost a loved one. Regardless of what we might be going through, I want us to learn from from Simeon and Anna why we can still celebrate Christmas this year, even if it's not the Christmas we might have wished for. Now, before we do that, it's worth asking, who exactly are Simeon and Anna? So Luke, the author, tells us that they're both committed believers. Simeon is described as being righteous and devout, and Anna, we're told, is a prophet who never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Now, to be clear, I don't think this means that she would never sleep and that she was literally 24 hours, seven days a week inside the temple. It simply means that she was really devout. It might be a bit like someone saying today, oh, they're, they're always at church. It doesn't mean that the person they're speaking about is literally um, always at church. But that church is important to them. So Simeon and Anna, 
of both devout. What else do we learn about them? We learn that they were both waiting for the birth of Christ. Look at verse 25. It says that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That consolation or comfort, by the way, is associated with the arrival of Christ or Messiah, which means king. And in verse 38, we see Anna with others who were looking forward or waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This this redemption of Jerusalem is very closely linked with the consolation of Israel. So those two things go together hand in hand. So God's people, Israel, can only be consoled if God's city, Jerusalem, is redeemed or rescued from its slavery and oppression. And this is what Christ came to accomplish. It's why he was born. He came to bring consolation through redemption. Now, although many first century Jews were expecting uh, this redemption to be the overthrowing of the Romans, Christ's redemption is far greater than that. His redemption involves freeing from the oldest slave master and the most ubiquitous oppressor the world has ever known, sin. So that's the background to Simeon and Anna. They were both waiting for the Christ, the king, who would rescue his people from sin. Now, how did they respond to the birth of this king? We see that they responded with praise. In verse 28, it says that Simeon praised God. And in verse 38, that Anna gave thanks to God. And friends, wonderfully, two millennia later, right here in Banstead, we too can praise God. We too can celebrate the birth of the king. And here's one reason why. There are many. Here's one. We can celebrate Christmas this year because we have a king who offers fulfillment. That's the first reason I want us to consider why we can still celebrate Christmas this year, regardless of our circumstances. We have a king who offers fulfillment. So Simeon says some striking words when Joseph and Mary give him their baby boy to hold. So picking up from verse 28, we read, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. What does Simeon say? Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. What's he saying? He's he's saying that he's ready to die. He's saying to God that he could die perfectly happy now that the king who brings salvation has come. A church minister I I know um, recently asked a university student what his biggest fear was, to which he answered, not fulfilling my potential. Not fulfilling my potential. 
The fear of living an unfulfilled life is so common, isn't it? We all feel like we need to find fulfillment. And where do we try to find it? We can try to find it in our relationships, in our studies, in our work, in our finances, in our physical appearance, in our social status. But can these things really provide us with the sense of fulfillment that we all long for? Firstly, there's, there's the issue that we might never attain them. We might not get into the university we'd hope to get into. We might not get the job of our dreams. We might not be as successful as we'd hope to be. But even if we do get those things, how can we be so sure that they'll always deliver? How do you know you won't be let down? It's unlikely that the man, who, the man made redundant who's walking out of the office for the final time thought he'd be doing so when he'd accepted the job a year earlier. And it's unlikely that the woman signing the divorce papers in a cold lawyer's office thought she'd be doing so when she walked down the aisle in that beautiful cathedral. We're all looking for fulfillment. But where are we looking for it? Is it in something that could be taken away from us? Where does Simeon find fulfillment? In the king. God's king. And the fulfillment Simeon finds in this king is so great that he feels like he's ready to die. Now please note that Simeon is not wishing to die. Sadly, when People are going through a really tough time. Sometimes the thought of death might seem like somewhat of a relief. But that's not what's happening here with Simeon. He's not wishing to die. He simply says he's, he's happy to die now that he's met the Christ. He says, Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. What Simeon most wanted was to get to meet the king. Now he's finally found fulfillment. So he, he doesn't need to cross off any remaining items on his bucket list. He doesn't need to go to Machu Picchu. He doesn't need to go swimming with dolphins. He doesn't need to become popular. He's met the king. Everything else pales in comparison. The way for us to find or, ha- or have fulfillment is to know this king. This king who still lives today and who will live forevermore. We can know him and find him and find fulfillment in him even today. Over 2,000 years after his birth and over 2,000 miles away from the place of his birth. Friends, we, can, we have reason to celebrate Christmas this year because we have a king who offers us fulfillment. And here's another cause for Christmas celebration, and it's a related one. We have a king who will redeem his people. We've already touched on this idea of Jesus as a redeemer, uh, as we thought about the consolation of Israel and the redemption of Jerusalem. I mentioned earlier how the redemption that King Jesus brings is primarily a redemption from sin. 
So now I want us to, to briefly think about Simeon's response to the king who redeems and how it might encourage us today. How well did Simeon know Jesus? For example, how many of, of Jesus' sermons did, did Simeon hear? We're not told how long Simeon went, to, went on to live for after seeing Jesus as a newborn. So we don't know if he ever got to see Jesus grow up. What's striking about Simeon is how he responds to Jesus when Jesus was still only a baby. How does he treat him? He exalts him as the king who saves. Now, I think it's one thing to trust in Jesus as the Savior King when your disciples heard him preach and who've seen him heal the sick, turn, the water, turn water into wine, walk on water, raise the dead, be crucified, and then himself be raised. It's one thing to witness those things and go, yeah, Jesus is the Savior King. I'm going to serve him. And it's quite another to merely see the king as a newborn who might even have a bit of puke on him and who hasn't even yet managed to utter the words mama or dada and still say, yeah, here's the savior king. Is our situation that different from Simeon's? Simeon didn't have, he didn't quite have a full picture of salvation For example, as far as we're aware, he didn't get to witness Jesus die and and then rise. Yet he was able to say, my eyes have seen your salvation. Like Simeon, we also don't quite have a full picture of salvation. For example, we haven't seen Jesus come back yet. We haven't seen his salvation in that way. Yet we have enough to know, like Simeon, that Jesus is the king who saves. Simeon had the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ's identity to him. And we have the Old Testament as well as the New and the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ's identity to us. So like Simeon, we too can say, Lord, my eyes have seen your salvation. I wonder, have you received this salvation? If you have, you have great cause to rejoice and celebrate this Christmas. And if you haven't, I hope you'll consider receiving it. You can do so by honoring Jesus for who he is as king. Christmas is all about him. He's the king who offers fulfillment and redemption to his people. I'm shortly going to lead us in a prayer, but before I do, why don't we take a moment to silently reflect on this king and on how he lovingly came to save us.